Alright everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Beta Pigs! Ah, <laughs> uh, the Beta Pigs. This is the Hacks History Podcast, um, just in case you didn't know. My name's Lucas, and this uh, person over here, what's your name? That's right, this is the podcast that your mom warned you all about. This is Jake right here, this thing. Anyway, uh, this is Lucas and Jake, Hacks History. Shout out to being referred to as a thing this time. Yep, you're the thing. I'm, I'm, you're you. the thing one, and I'm the thing two. Yeah, that's that's about anyway, right. Uh, Hell yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Anyway, so this is Hacked History. We're back with another, with the, another part of the Bay of Pigs. Honestly, I, I kind of lose count at this point. It was four or five, but... Four five. Five. I think it's five. But anyway, we're back with another part of it. Uh, we're, we're back. We're still going. Uh, yeah, just in case you didn't figure out already, I love that back. you hate this at this point. You hate that it's been going for this long already. <laughs> and I'm like, the bitch, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning, man. No, we're, we're planning wait on we, keeping wait this... Wait till we bring in the Space Cowboys. No, no, no. We're planning on keeping this one out to about seven episodes max. This isn't going to turn into Watergate. And as much as I loved Watergate, just watching him, like, internally writhe at just how stupid things can get. Yeah, watch dissolve as a person. Me, also, with my brain melting into my <laughs> shoes, because I really wanted to go I'm the melting. full length. Yes. <laughs> Way to reference a movie from 150 years ago. Absolutely. Anyway... Um, so we're ready to get this one going, uh, but before we do, uh, please give us uh, some uh, shout-outs on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Hacked History. You can find us on Instagram at Hacked History, uh, Hacked underscore History. You can send us an email at HackedHistory101 at gmail.com, and you can also follow us on Twitter at Hacked underscore History. You can find us on all those places. Uh, we do appreciate the ratings, too, when you guys give us ratings. We really, really appreciate that. Uh, it helps us grow, helps people find us, because people are like, hey, these people actually listen to them and they didn't hate them. Well, maybe, fuck, maybe I'll listen too. Yeah. So, um, we really appreciate that. Um, we didn't pay them? <laughs> like, did what not. money do we have? So far, we have not paid for any ratings. We've been running on no a ratings. fucking, we've been running on a fucking budget of zero, and if that's anything, how we, we like it. If anything, we have a negative budget. We've put money into this podcast that we have not gotten back. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at you, Jeff Bezos. Where's our money? Yeah, Jeffy, come on, pay for us to be on Amazon podcast, even though I'm pretty sure we're not already on Amazon music, but you know. What? Woo! Anyway. What did you say? Uh, you know, words. Any, let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's pick it back up, Jake. Uh, so just to give the viewers a brief chart. recap of where we're at, uh, what was the last thing we were talking about? Uh, at this point in time, we were talking about getting the, like, I want to say the invasion plans running, but that's kind of inaccurate. Um, what I would say is this, the, what we covered last, uh, episode was we were talking about like how the CIA was starting to like assemble the people that they needed. They're assembling the Avengers. So to they're speak. assembling what I call the asshole Avengers. The double A's. Yes. <laughs> da, 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 da. I feel like it nah, would, we're going to get sued it, now. It, it would we're going to get sued. It'd be that, but like the, the, Marvel, no, no, the trumpet player would like fuck up halfway through and play like a wrong note. For, like, no, it's just like, it's like a, just a guy like, no, 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 just like that. There's a guy with a slide trombone just, just whipping the trombone out, whipping yeah. the trombone, whipping the trombone out, the trumpet. No, um, the so trumpet. we talked, uh, we talked about them kind of just coming into the mindset of like, okay, we need to get rid of this guy and this is how we're going to do it. So they came up with the idea of creating a sort of like expeditionary team that would work inside Cuba, inside its like borders as a sort of guerrilla warfare group. And so they're committed to this plan, but spoiler alert, turns out it doesn't work. Oh, so shit, they go with something else. Me? It doesn't work? No, because it's called the Bay of Pigs Invasion, not the Bay of Pigs <laughs> Infiltration. Fucking what? Just All right. the, oh, yeah. 
Anyway, so um, where that brings us here was we were talking about the fact that Eisenhower had put his stamp of approval on it. That's where we were when we ended. And they basically said, like, understanding this, that there could not be any link to the White House, that we could not have anybody say that they'd heard of this plan from the White House. That Like, basically stating that we were reinforcing that Eisenhower was totally on board to just fuck this guy over the whole time. But here's the best part, and I will mention this, too. It's just a fun little aside that we won't bring up officially in the podcast. Between the end, the ending of this episode and the beginning of the next one, we're just going to jump straight into the invasion itself to save us some time and to save you guys some brain cells because there's a lot of shit. Um, but the best thing I think I've read so far from my research as I'm going through it is literally the fact that Eisenhower literally dropped this shit on Kennedy when he became president and said, don't fuck it up. <laughs> and then said, Bye. <laughs> I'm going to the golf course. And that was how it basically ended. Here you go, pal. Here you, and basically, it was like an old dad like, we're going to leave you this climate crisis because we couldn't be bothered to fucking do anything about it. So good luck on that. Anyway, so. No, that's more like George Bush. Kind of, <laughs> we're going to leave you this climate, climate crisis. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> going to Texas. <laughs> Where's Katrina? I'm going to find her. <laughs> Who's FEMA? Never met her. <laughs> Who's FEMA? Never met her. <laughs> All right, Bill Clinton, calm down. <laughs> I'll tell you what. FEMA? FEMA's the best. She gives the best blowjob. What? Oh, shit. Oh, oh shit. Hillary. 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 I wasn't talking about that. What the fuck? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, where we're starting off today is is what I, I feel I appropriately titled Asshole Avengers Assemble. Because in order for this fucking shit show of an operation that's going to end up being a disaster to work, you need to have some of the best and the brightest. And here they are. The, okay, I, I feel like that's Oh, you just wait, because there's a golden oldie about to show up on our personnel's radar. Oh, God. It's going to be good, so here we go. So, let's just ride into it. So, Bissell's got this operation now basically saying, like, okay. Dr. Vacuum. Dr. Vacuum. Basically, he's like, okay, well, my operation to get rid of Castro is now moving at a pretty steady pace. I need to get a command staff going. You need somebody on the top to lead and sort of do things. So Bissell looks to some of his old friends that he worked with when he went to overthrow Arbenz, who was the Guatemalan dictator back in the day in like 1953. Okay. <laughs> my own research. I'll have to go back and look at that. Like, Actually, let me do that right now. <laughs> anyway, so what their plan was was effectively – to find the people who they'd worked with prior and basically say, like, okay, if we figure out through what we've already done, because Guatemala to them was a cakewalk, and apparently that would translate into this fucking works, um, they basically were going to find the same people and create a sort of rot-from-the-inside-out plan, where the idea was they were going to get a group of, like, advisors and technicians and shit to go into Cuba via boat and then they would be supplied from the air by the americans and there's a whole bunch of shit that they came up with now granted of course that would not work also uh guatemalan was in 1954 so i was a year off all right okay good so anyway um that whole plan of course staffing what they called the cuba task force around january 18th of 1960 on paper the task force was basically born out of a modest mod, modest jesus a modest 40 operatives that they had but then this sucker basically just the like non-combat workers went to around 600 when this thing finally hit the fan 
So Damn. it did get it got it spiraled pretty big. Like when you think about it, in my mind, I was always under the impression that this was a tiny operation that was doomed to fail, and it was doomed to fail. But there were so many fucking people involved in this. It was doomed to fail, but it was not tiny. No, that's the problem. It was like this hulking, like inbred giant, just like I wasn't born this way. And then it it fell over and killed a village. Um, but so yeah, for the first time though, we start seeing a fledgling group. Which would have about eighty to forty staffers that would they would soon get working from Washington. The rest of them were operating in the field, and the best part about it was that basically eighteen of the forty of them were working out of various offices. They didn't have a single building. <laughs> oh god! So yeah, it was real good. Uh, those in Washington, for instance, though Bissell chose, and this was his top second in command was a guy named Tracy Barnes, and that was his right hand. Barnes had worked with Bissell as an old friend. And they were friends at the Groton and Yale years when they were back in college. And Bissell specifically was a very overly charismatic and outgoing personality. Um, sorry, did I say Bissell was? You did. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I misread. Sorry, it was Barnes was considered very charismatic and outgoing. Which, given the fact that this right-hand man wasn't a bad decision, because that meant that he could kind of, you know, shake some babies and kiss some hands. Um... He was, and this is direct too from my uh, main research book here. It says, often considered the nattier dresser, but the sloppier thinker, which is always a good fucking description of a guy working on an invasion plan. Bissell himself would later admit that using Barnes as a sounding board for ideas was like relying, quote, on ignorance to support ignorance. Uh, that... Fucking batting a thousand already. <laughs> I love it. No. Um, so next person in line. Bissell... The, sorry, the next person that Bissell wanted was a guy named Jacob Esterlin. Esterlin was coming on board as task force commander. And this is a decision he fucking regrets way later. Like, he hates the fact that he made this decision because it really blew up in his face. But he was a very out-of-place member with the rest of the group, considering that a lot of the CIA types were, like, these well-to-do, rich, like, very, you know, not impressionable. I'm trying to think of the word here. They were very connected or well-connected. He was a member who basically hailed from rural Pennsylvania. About as far away from Cuba as you can get. Um, but he was a Temple University graduate, which considering Yale and some of the other big schools that a lot of them went to, was kind of like a, a notch down or two. Sure. Considering, no sh not like shout out to Temple U, but like that to them, that was like, oh, you're lower class. Like that basically was sort of their thinking process. But he lacked that pedigree in cosmopolitanism that his bosses had and that led him a lot of times to be direct, although sometimes rough with language when he had to talk to people. And he oftentimes referred to Cuba as a very simple little kind of operation. I just make a mention of that. Cause it's like fucking just, it's the highest irony I could think of how badly this thing gets screwed. Uh, another member of the team is David Atlee Phillips. He is described in Rassenberger's book as a, quote, handsome 37-year-old former stage actor who spoke, spoke fluent Spanish. Okay, that's good. Yeah, but that's the only thing about him that qualifies him to be there so far. And, and so far is the Spanish-speaking thing, because this is one of the few guys who does. Right, but the that's... The funny part about it, though, is that a lot of what they were looking for was basically pomp and circumstance. So having a former stage actor almost makes sense. Because in their mind, it's all about the appearance. The CIA is working terribly understaffed in this thing. They don't have an army. But if you can make Castro think there's an army and Castro's supporters think there's an army, when the time comes, 
you can move fucking mountains. And that's what they did in Guatemala. Because they had, like, a handful of, like, ragtag, like, rebels. And they were able to overthrow an entire government with, a like, a certified army. So, to them, their egos are pretty damn big. They thought this would work again. But, uh, clearly it doesn't. So, Phillips' hidden talent for the CIA would be psychological warfare, though. Which is not a bad qualification. This basically, <clears throat> excuse me, proved extremely useful during the Guatemala operation when he was able to, as I stated, convince Arbenz's loyalists that there were like thousands, hordes, basically, of well-armed rebels when the reality was that the few hundred poorly equipped fighters wouldn't have stood a chance. So yeah, that's good. You know, he's he's fairly qualified now. It's, do you feel stupid now? Uh, I I still think he's not. Like, <laughs> well, I, maybe you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. <laughs> He's the fucking actor. The more it's you like, know. It's like the taking Brad Pitt into a war zone and saying, here, figure it out. Isn't that how, like, isn't that how Ronald Reagan was? <laughs> no, like, you're an actor, go. <laughs> anyway, so Phillips, though, had, for the most part, had some experience in Cuba. He was working there. In fact, he was the first person to report Batista's departure to the CIA station chief in Havana, which is January 1st of 1959. Havana, oh, nah, nah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot who sings that. It's uh, Camila Cabello. Okay. <laughs> She's part Cuban. So before I go on, um, give me just a sounding board here, Lucas. Tell me, do you think through spy work he figured out that Batista was leaving? No. Okay. I'm going to tell you how this works. So it does sound really impressive considering that, but the way that Phillips went about figuring this out is not that impressive. He literally... Instead of doing spy work, he had the benefit of owning a lawn chair with a view of the fucking sky. Because what happened was, there's an anecdote that floats around, and it has been kind of proven, kind of not proven, but for the most part, I can find some backup stuff on it that tells me it's probably there. Was that Phillips was enjoying the evening after attending a New Year's Eve party, and he was sitting in his lawn chair having champagne when a large commercial transport aircraft flew in real low over his house or apartment or whatever have you. And he knew that the normal commercial lines didn't fly out at four in the morning. So he just surmised that Batista was leaving and shared the news. <laughs> and he turned out it was right. But, you know. Good for him. He took a shit shooting fucking with <laughs> shot in the dark like a fucking blind child at a school dance and figured it out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, anyway. A uh, big issue, of course, that faced Bissell now was how to establish a political group that could kind of replace Castro once he leaves. And the job of that task is next... Is the... Oh, Jesus. Is basically the task requirement of these two people. Number one. Chosen political affairs officer Jerry Droller... Described in Rassenberger's book as, quote, the same rumpled German-born cigar-chomping Latin America expert, that's in quotations, who had been smitten by Castro in New York in 1959. All right, so right. that's not the worst thing. You know, a lot of people thought he would be pretty hopeful. His personality is a mixture of arrogance and obtuseness. That, okay. Not great, but it gets better. Which often caused both amusement and frustration amongst his cohorts and the people he worked with, especially the Cubans who literally did know how did not know how to fucking handle this guy. Because in Latin American culture, brashness and machismo is respectable. To a point. But like most people, that shit irritates some people. It'll turn you off real fast. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. But 
According to the agency postmortem report, Droller's linguistic capabilities, quote, did not include Spanish. Just gonna I, stew. I, I, I don't let you stew I don't on that. Have words for that. He doesn't know how to speak Spanish when he's going to be dealing specifically with people who primarily speak Spanish. What is this? Anyway, so on top of that, Driller wasn't all well trained in politics and lacked tact, which created a problem. Who, <laughs> for someone who was responsible for uniting a squabbling Latin nation into a cohesive American ally. They just, like, throw darts at people's names? Apparently. I don't know how they came up with Jerry as the idea. I really don't. Like, the whole fucking concept is just ass-backwards. And now, we bring to you the final person, I think. Let me make sure. Yes. All right. <laughs> don't want to be that and then, like, oh, there's somewhere else. Um, We have a second agent working with Droller. Do you want to guess who this is? I, I don't know. Oh, buddy. It was none other than E. Howard Hunt. Oh, God. Now, if you remember Howard, Howard's our nice friend from the Watergate episode who uh, ain't that bright. God love him. He's trying, but he's not that bright. Um, so before he would even be associated with the Watergate scandal, Hunt was a political operative working for the CIA, which naturally is why when we did the episode, the CIA functioned into this whole fucking thing because every single person that was in the Watergate hotel was CIA. They'd all been from Cuba They'd all worked with Hunt. So odds are some of these same fucking people on this fucking thing are working with Hunt in Watergate later. Just put that into perspective. Colleagues describe Hunt in the following manner. And I only say colleagues because a lot of people are, you know, censored out. They don't have the names. But they, hunt, they considered him an enthusiastic, imaginative, and somewhat flighty individual. You know, I mean, it makes sense. He sounds like a stockbroker in the 80s who does a lot of coke. Kinda. Just talking like, EDM is up! Sell! Fucking sell! It's just like that. It's it's a lot of high energy mixed with a terrifying aggression that I just, I think is misplaced. But he worked in a number of stations in Latin America prior to this point, so he did have some experience. Now, here's the downside on that. Almost all of it's a requirement... Oh, sorry, almost as if it's a requirement, Hunt made a lucrative side gig as a fiction writer, naturally, that specialized in Bond-esque plot designs, there's that word again, many of which were more plausible than some of the real-life plans that came up with. According to a CIA officer that warned Giroller specifically, he says about Hunt's tendency for the outlandish, quote, listen to the music but ignore the lyrics. So, this motherfucker writes James Bond fan fiction, and they're like, totally... Pretty much. And he does it as a side gig, and he made a lot of money off of it. But this is the brains, people. This is the brains of the operation upon which, like, 600 people and God knows how many rebels were supposed to survive on this. And they probably would be better off as a theater group, and that's what they would kind of create, but in a really worse way. So, take a breath. Relax. I'm good, I'm just... Yeah, you're you're placid, and that's kind of the scary part. (laughs) Because there's a lot more to go. A lot more. This after these messages. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I was thinking like somewhere and there'd be like PBS would be like, let's just fork in one of those. Uh, brought to you by Veers by you. Or whatever. Thank you. That, that's great ASMR. I Thanks, love it. Jake. That's, mm, you know, 
People need to know I'm a human being. All right. So we get to the stage of what I call getting the ball rolling. This is training for the invasion. This is giving us sort of an idea because now we're getting the people assembled or they're starting to recruit. They're getting those people assembled. They get them down to where they're going to be trained. They get all of the different building blocks sort of set up to create this janky fucking house. Um, so here's how this works. I've titled this segment, We're Gonna Need a Montage. And we do indeed need a montage. So How much bureaucracy are we going to get? In not a lot, check? actually. Not a lot of bureaucracy, surprisingly. This is actually where it kind of speeds up. So here's how this works. Um, a lot of boots on the ground operations. but So in order to create a sizable force, the CIA needed to try and assemble a group of squabbling Cuban refugees and train them to fight for a common goal, which naturally is not an easy task. So giving some background context to this because again i feel like this is really important to understanding just how much of a monumental fucking step this has to be for them is that cubans have been arriving since 1959 to america and that meant that anybody who did not disagree or did not agree with castro or or like as a larger point cuba's political positions basically left and that meant varying groups of people because as we knew like castro started against like a dictator with just about everybody behind him. Then kind of turned to communism, which really turned some of the moderate people off. And then he became an authoritarian, which really turned some of the left-leaning people off. So you have like three different segments of political idea just kind of milling about in the same community. Um, the fact is this, that the type of person to leave was varied and, quote, some of these were former Batistinos uh, fleeing Cuba's ven- or Castro's vengeance, once wealthy Cubans whose property had been confiscated, and those have been increasing through 1960. Uh, also, a number of the people on top of that included former supporters of Castro, some of whom even fought alongside him, but now found themselves repelled by his drift to communism and authoritarianism. So you have a loyalist whom the Castro people hated, and then you have the Castro people... And somehow you're supposed to get those two groups to just mesh together real nice. And I guess that in that idea, this is more like the difficulty of just how they have to deal with it. But still, it's not easy. And you should have sent anybody other than Jerry Droller and Howard Hunt. Because I don't know how the fuck they manage this. I really don't. But anyway, what they're going to do here is called putting in the plumbing. That's the technical term. But in order to achieve a semi-cohesive unit, the CIA had to send agents to Cuban neighborhoods to basically make sure they could sign up like, hey, would you like to get even? Good. Uh, wait for this phone call and we'll take you somewhere. Yeah, like that. How the fuck are they going to do that when one of them speaks Spanish? Good question. Don't know. <laughs> Probably had a few people who spoke Spanish with them, but shit, man, that must have been really irritating. So, yeah, the two people who the CIA chose for this operation, for some reason, were obviously Hunt and Droller, and both whom have been known, and this is great, their aliases, respectively, Eduardo and Frank Bender. Why? I don't know. I, I don't know. But just think of Howard Hunt. The the image that I posted on the website. Eduardo. It's like Carlos Danger. I shit you not. It's not good. Um, so on contacting some of the Cuban exile circles in Miami, it became exceedingly obvious that there was no easy way to identify pol- or potential leaders within that community who would not outright despise each other nor and they kind of wanted a more moderate group so they could kind of push them in their direction was either someone who leaned too far to the left or to the right politically which again kind of like overshadows the whole problem 
Like, you can't find a moderate because the moderates don't want to have to work with these really far-right left types. So, you got to figure something out. Um, the problem with this is the whole operation is underscored by the fact that Droller and Hunt don't work well together. Because each found the other person to be, quote, or not quote, but ridiculous and incompetent, which is pretty fucking on the nose. Although this isn't totally incorrect, because they absolutely are. Hunt, specifically, had a habit of hammering around Florida and Mexico paying off Cubans left and right like it somehow was going out of style. At one point, and this is going to really make you pissed, misplaced a briefcase containing sensitive documents in a Mexican, I think it was in Mexico City. Just like left the briefcase on a fucking bench and walked away. I don't know how this man was in a job. I don't understand. Um, the fact here is that Hunt showed an interest in a lot of the cloak and dagger shit of spying, but didn't have a great aptitude for it. So it was like like a guy who was like, oh, you know that person, right? Like, I really want to make a bakery, but he doesn't know how to bake. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like Amy's Baking Company. The... Yeah. Take a look at that fucking night Kitchen Nightmares episode. Um, But... uh. Yeah, he, he's not that great at it. He really, he, God love him, he wanted it, but uh, he didn't get it. Um, good example of that, of course, is the fact that when he's staying at a place called Coconut Grove, this is a coastal neighborhood in Miami's southeast side, for those of you uh, map nerds out there, um, he shuttled so many Cuban men in and out of his residence and made it so fucking obvious that his neighbors took him for a promiscuous homosexual. <laughs> I don't, I'm not lying about that. His neighbor and his neighbor's, or his neighbor was a woman and her daughter made a phone call <laughs> to the police. Like, there's a man fucking other man in my neighborhood. And then she tried to set him up with his, her daughter. Which, it's funny part about this, is that whenever Hunt was asked about this, he aggressively insisted that sh the daughter was, like, <laughs> came to him. And he didn't go to her. Like, he was trying to hide something here. Anyway, here's Droller's situation on the other end of this. Bender... I like to call him, transited constantly back and forth from D.C. to effectively boast to his superiors that he was, quote, carrying the counter-revolution around his checkbook. This is always good, because you always want to be talking about how much money you have. Droller's brash attitude both impressed some and annoyed others, which I already kind of emphasized on, but more so, it was this incessant habit of referring to himself by his alias and in the third person. So what I mean by that is if he wanted something done, he would literally say, Bender wants this done. Yeah. I why? Just... <laughs> why? I just don't understand why this was like the best and the brightest that you could come up with was this. But anyway, I, I, uh, fuck. Um, to expedite the process, though, Droller and Hunt set up a Cuban revolutionary front office called the Frente Revolucionario Democrático, which acted sort of on paper as an independent entity, the idea being that basically you could just say, oh, no, everybody who's going in for this thing is going in through these people and not through the CIA, which, of, of course, they all fucking knew it was the CIA. Nobody nobody was fooled by this. But they called it Frente. Um which was a front for them to work in Miami without being obvious. The primary issue, like I said, is that no matter how difficult the CIA tried to make that, the Cubans knew. <laughs> like, you just, they already knew. They already fucking knew. So I don't know. It's just not great. So pushing it around, around the spring and summer of 1960, the CIA began moving on recruiting the fighting element of their group. So now they're moving away from the, 
they're getting some people to work for sort of the leadership group and the politics element. But now they're like, okay, well, we need soldiers to make this thing work. So those recruits would reside as the nucleus of their paramilitary operation. And a lot like the group leaders, the recruits would have difficulty coalescing together because these are people from every walk of life. You've got rich people, poor people. You've got, you know, you know, right-wing loyalists, left-wing revolutionaries, moderates in the middle. You've got all sorts of shit going on. It's like, you know, it is what you would expect in like a really kick-ass, like, first they were enemies and now they're friends, like bad boys two kind of thing. Like, that's where I'm going with that. It's like all of a sudden in the end, it's like, that's how you drive is how this ends, basically. Um, I'd like you all to just figure out the uh, enigma that I just put out there on the airwaves, but that's okay. So, as the group leaders are concerned, that's a covered thing, but... The good example of how they were having difficulty here, especially within the fighters element, is that the fact that you had a lot of younger university types who suspected a lot of the Batista loyalists and the military types of basically wanting to reinstate the dictator, while on the return, the military types suspected the students of being communists. <laughs> so I don't know how the fuck you're supposed to win. Um, the one thing here is that they could agree on that probably more or less cemented them all together was the fact that they needed to get rid of Castro. And that had to basically happen now, regardless of what was going to happen later. So that's where they're at. Night moves. Part two. Electric Boogaloo. After midnight. Thank you, Eric Clapton. Um, so we're moving on training. So in late May of 1960, a lot of the recruits were called up to go. They actually got just a phone call randomly and said like, hey, this is happening. Uh, we're picking you up, be ready, or fuck off. Um, a lot of them were there because naturally, if you wanted to get even from getting kicked out of your home country, yeah, you're going to fucking go. In the middle of the night, in troops, badass CIA fashion, this is the one thing I think they did right, they literally came in small convoys of black sedans and zigzagged across central Florida, <laughs> basically picking people up in Miami and then going to the coast. <laughs> Which naturally, Miami's on the coast, but also, these guys can't know where they're going. Um, once they were there at the coast, still under the cover of night, by the way, the recruits would then be packed into a, what was called a jet boat, which basically was a small dinghy. And if, if you need to know, just because they would be then boated down to a sand spit called Usepa Island. And specifically, since I can't show you the map, but I can probably show you it on the website when I finally get to the, the chance of actually picking it up. It's a small island in the inlet to Port Charlotte in Western Florida. Basically, it's like a just tiny little island and a bunch of other smaller islands. And the fact was that it had been a resort for the longest time as a golf resort, but it had fallen on hard times and it was not making a lot of money. So the CIA rolled in and said, yo, brother, bro, I'd slurred my words and I don't know how. They commandeered the, quote, Collier Inn Resort, which is what it was called as their training operations center and said, yeah, we'll just pay you off and we'll uh, we'll use this. Actually, the, the place there actually <laughs> makes a big deal out of it, and they have, like, a museum there. But once they were there, though, the recruits were housed in the resort where they would spend the next month or so. And during that time, they would undergo a flurry of tests, so lie detector, Rorschach, IQ tests, basically to see whether they were capable of doing this or not, and whether or not they were loyal enough. Okay. Uh, between those tests, there was a lot of military training that was given by American instructors, so demolition, guerrilla warfare, radio operations, cryptography. On firearms training, the recruits were given M1 carbines and Thompsons. And, and still, and I, it just wows me that they tried to keep this up as if somehow these people were stupid. 
They literally were fed the steady narrative that the U.S. government had nothing, nothing to do with this. Even though you were getting American weapons, you were on American soil, and you were having an American advisors to fucking train you. <laughs> For the army, no less. Oh, I just don't understand why the, this, they thought that this would work. So, as that's happening, they're also trying to figure out some support elements to the plan. Now, Lucas was bitching about the fact there is some bureaucracy in it. Naturally, but granted from here, it's not going to be a lot of bureaucracy after. The recruits training there, Eisenhower was putting a lot of the support behind the plan. And the CIA actually received a lot of cooperation from the following places. The State Department, the Department of the Treasury, Office of the Attorney General, the Immigration Slash Naturalization Service, the Federal Aviation Administration, and the Coast Guard. Never mind the fact that the whole fucking Pentagon was in on this thing, too. So that's... You know, just a massive chunk of the American everything working at tandem. But the thing that they wanted, of course, naturally, was they wanted some sort of military backup. Because you needed this in an invasion. You couldn't just do this thing on fucking prayers, wishes, and, you know, weed. But, of course, naturally, when the evasion would fail later, the Pentagon would insist repeatedly that they had nothing to do with this. It was all the CIA, but, you know, that really does prove otherwise because the Army supplied the camps and the support personnel. The Air Force donated the surplus aircraft. The Marine Corps provided several key staffers, and the National Guard later provided American pilots for the fucking invasion effort. So, again, like, whether people say it or not, like, the American government was in on it, the American military structure was in on it, the fucking, the, the fucking Air National Guard was in on it. I'm surprised that, like, the Girl Scouts of America wasn't in on it, too. But from all the branches... And the fact why it's kind of important here, though, was that the Navy was the one who had the most to gain or lose from this thing. So they had the most they wanted to put in there. The Navy basically had Admiral Arleigh Burke, also known as 31 Knot Burke, basically just was an, an, a euphemism to the fact that he was a fast man. Um, he was an aggressive anti-communist, and he later became that real principal driver for the Navy's involvement and cooperation. And, yeah, so, as you can tell, the Hawks are starting to kind of roll into this plan, seeing a chance to, uh, you know, do Hawk things, you know. But, as that's happening, now, the main month of training is done for at least at USEPA. So, during the sort of mid to later summer months of 1960, some of those Cuban recruits started arriving in a remote corner of southwest Guatemala as a continuation of their training. The CIA had been able to kind of cut a deal, so, and this is how it goes, was that the CIA cut a deal with Guatemala's president, Miguel Yudorga Fuentes. Don't ask me to repronounce that. I'm not going to. But for unspecified favors, Fuentes would turn over part of the plantation that was on his country's property, naturally. And the plantation, named Helvetia, was spread across about 5,000 acres on the side of a like, volcano give or take. So basically, like, if you think of places that drug lords would like to own a house, this fits that bill pretty well. Uh, there we go. They had a lot of space basically to work, but the fact was this was a plantation that was not set for this at all. And the only way to get to the plantation was from a winding dirt road that goes up the side of a fucking mountain. So real good, real great. By this point, of course, we have recruits totaling about 150. And it becomes a noted observation later on that a lot of the recruits that came in thought they were going to be with legions of fighters. It turned out there was like maybe 250 max. Like they were clearly lied to from the start. 
And that was the thing that kind of should have been an indication things went bad. Um, a good kind of example of that that I like to add here is that Maximo Cruz, who actually later becomes a pretty famous name in this whole operation, basically said he was interviewed by the author. It stated that when I got there, I realized they didn't have thousands of people. There were probably like three or four hundred. And this no doubt, of course, caused some disappointment, but regardless, and almost true, like, I've got nothing left to lose fashion. He reasoned that, well, I'm here. And that's basically what kept him there. Because I'm sure, like, you're wanting to turn around and not do this probably would not have been smiled upon by the CIA if you had literally gone through the whole process of not fucking doing this. So, when they get to Guatemala, the recruits are put to work building what is called base tracks. T-R-A-X. Just... It sounds like a kid's toy. It is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sounds it, like a shitty Lincoln log. It really is a shitty Lincoln log, and it, it kind of is. Their main job was basically pouring cement foundations for housing and erecting the barracks, latrines, the mess hall, the chapel, everything else, because there were no buildings on site. And then the recruits would then train until night, or would then <laughs> wait until nightfall to train, and then later when everything was built, they would train throughout the day and into night. So, yeah, you know, not not the, just, it's just, like, the whole thing for them, especially these people that are getting told to do this and want to do this, is just, like, you got so fucked over in the end, and it just surprises me so bad that people don't, like, give more of a shit about this because of, like, how we kind of just, like, fed them shit and then said, like, ah, ah, fuck it, you know, that's kind of how it goes. Yeah, so new arrivals will go through a following pro the same process on their way to Guatemala. A lot of these recruits would end up basically going through Florida like everyone else did. The CIA would hook them up, and then they'd go through the same series of psych tests. They would get phoned by a CIA handler, driven to what in this case would be <laughs> a new place called Opalaca Air Base in Miami, then loaded onto an unmarked C-54 with men of, quote, vague Eastern European background. I don't know what that means. Vague Eastern European. Vague Eastern European background, and I don't know what that Maybe means. Maybe they're Polish? They actually were. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love the energy. <laughs> or lack thereof. Lucas is staring at me like, you said there would be no bureaucracy. Nah, we good. Lies. All right. <laughs> You look so fucking defeated. I'm just so tired. <laughs> oh my god, you're Office such a jobs, man. such a goddamn mess. So yeah, neither the pilots or any of the crew or non-combatants or any of those people would tell anybody about where they were going because naturally you didn't want to have that shit leak out and have Cuba be like, hey, what the fuck are you doing down there? So a lot of them would literally joke when the guys got off the plane that they were in the Dominican Republic, which makes sense. And the reality was that they were in Guatemala, in a place called Retlane... Oh, God. I This one is going to be a tough one, so just bear with me here. Retlajuelu. I think that's right. <laughs> don't. Don't I laugh at me. I thought they were already in Guatemala. What do you but, mean? Like, Retla no, so those are like... After that original group has built the base, they're still getting new recruits coming in. So okay. now they're just flying people down. Okay. Sorry, I probably didn't explain that well enough. But the fact that like the first group of recruits that Hunt and Droller picked up... Those guys go down and build the base, and then anybody after it kind of goes through a different way of getting down there. This was kind of their way of trying to keep things secret, but they went to Retloelu, which was a small city about 30 miles from that plantation. So, basically, they would just get landed and go there. 
And that was one of the key airfields that the CIA was going to use later for training. But yeah, that was really just where I wanted to tie that in. Because you will hear that name later, and I wanted to make sure, for the most part, yeah, you know, that we know what that is. Okay, so, in terms of the environment, though, the recruits are living in during this time, the camp conditions could be described as, quote, rustic at best. Difficult at worst. <laughs> you know, like a cabin yeah, up in the north there. Oh, yeah. Lucas, I'd like you to liven it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he was, like, so excited to do this today. And he's just like, yeah, man, let's go. And that's it. All the energy you had about 40 minutes ago has been sucked out of the room. Anyway. So, rustic, no shit. Difficult? Oh, hell yeah. Uh, the troops slept in, the hes in these hastily built barracks. And imagine, too, if you've ever been to a... If you live in or have ever been to a tropical country... Living in a hastily built building leaves avenues for certain animals to get in. And it's not fun. It's hot year-round. It's either dry hot, which is bad, or it's wet hot, which is, in my opinion, worse. Because that usually means you end up getting, like, a spider in your shoe. But a lot of these shower, or a lot of these places, too, they had not totally constructed everything by the time the newer recruits were starting to show up. So the showers weren't built. Which is always good. So they ended up bathing in the fucking swimming pool. That's not the worst thing in the world. At least not by my standards no. of what's about to happen. But they could describe the food as tasteless. As I would assume. That doesn't really surprise me. The weather, when it turned dry. Because in tropical areas it's a dry season and a wet season. Unlike, you know, like where we live in the Midwest. You'll get like rain and then snow. In, like, tropical areas, you will literally get, like, almost, not near drought, but, like, semi-drought conditions for a certain while. And then you'll get, like, torrential downpour rain after a certain point. Like, that's usually around our winter or their winter. But, hey, regardless, when it was dry, the drinking water was scarce, which is always great. Uh, and when the rains came, and they came a lot, especially during the wet season, the volcanic ground that this whole place was built on basically turned into a fucking quagmire. So it was like ankle deep mud and like volcanic mud is the worst because that shit will just like suck you in. It's like clay. But anyway, it was not a summer camp. So, you know, summer camps reminds me of uh, Camp Crystal Lake, you know, great <laughs> summer camp there from the horror films. Yeah, I know, basically. But it, unlike unlike a lot of things, this is not like Camp Crystal Lake. This is literally just like summer goes or, or summer. Ernest goes to summer camp. <laughs> fucking. Part I mean, two. that's basically the that's basically the type of fucking intelligence we're dealing with that right now. You know? I just I just imagine like they're just conferring with their commanders this whole thing, and the, the Cubans are like super like riled up and want to go and do this, and the Americans are like, what if we confer with a pigeon wearing a captain's hat what if we hey guys i know you're really into this like troops idea what if we just dropped in a fucking clown and the clown just shot confetti and the confetti will just make them not believe in communism anymore <laughs> basically this is what this fucking becomes operation cloud like it's, it's a go it's so criminally stupid to have this many men's lives on the line in a whole country in your whole like outward appearance and it'd be like what if we cut their beards off? I think we should do some sort of competition where it's just like, send us your replacement Bay of Pigs idea. <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's send, send, us your, send us it on the DMs on our fucking website. Honestly, please, please fucking please do, do Email that. us at hackedhistory101 at gmail.com. Send us in your best Bay of Pigs 
replacement <laughs> idea. And I'll tell you what, um, by the time this comes out, we're, our new logo is going to be out. We just might send you some merchandise if you right. like it. I'd like I'd like to think we that just we might. give you a t-shirt. We'll literally travel to your house and have a t-shirt cannon ready. And we'll <laughs> fire it through the front window of your apartment and our home. Here's the thing. <laughs> We're actually going to be able to potentially make money off of this new logo. Oh, what? <laughs> yep. Hell yeah. It's not copywritten. I don't know how the first one was. I thought we made that. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but I did it off a website. Oh, shit. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> wow. You gave me this sly side glance like, you know what's good. You shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut your bitch ass up now. Shut the fuck up. Anyway. Uh, anyway. <laughs> no, shut shut the fuck up. Shut. <laughs> Just shut up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyway... <laughs> Oh, Jesus. So, anyway, um, that whole, like, trading schedule for them once they're down there, too, at base tracks, is that after they create the camp, which is also just a fucking... Is my <laughs> they model, have you built just, the camp. You had to build the camp first, and then you got to train Dude, at the it's camp. It's like Survivor, man. You just, you, Pretty they, much. They it's don't like, just get the fucking places. They, they have to build them. It's literally like Survivor. I feel like this was it's woefully... Like shitty Cuban Survivor. Jesus. Oh, my with God. political ambitions. <laughs> Pretty much. It, like, the, like, the worst place political ambitions... But yeah, their like training was a from like dawn till dusk once they got everything set up, and they were submitted mostly to the same intensive schedule of drills and lessons that were dedicated to, like firearms training, radio stuff, calisthenics, and it was calisthenics. Yeah, I just love the idea of just like some fucking grizzly American G- P- GI GIs just fucking doing calisthenics in the middle of the fucking rainforest in Cuba. <laughs> in Guatemala, yeah, where it's like in a Guatemala, bunch of just like the fucking... whitest guy in the entire country, and he's like. What the hell's your Dave and Buster's out here? <laughs> no, I just imagine the conversations. It's like, oh, Chris, you make it the morning calisthenics the other day. Oh, Chris, I pounded a couple couple of them Coronas last night, and I just almost didn't make it. Corona time. <laughs> Jesus. That's just <laughs> like, I, I would love it, too, if the fact is that we know that their whole, like, recruiting group is basically, like, two guys who don't know how to speak Spanish and don't know their ass from a hole in the ground back up in America. There's a guy down in Guatemala right now I with them like- who's like, Hola, you are Josie. They might See? As, honestly, they might as well just be like a Karen trying to order a beer on vacation. Cervezas, por favor. Oh God, yeah, it's just Jesus. No, I, I like people are like, why do they hate us down there? Now you know. Now you fucking know why. <laughs> Ricky, can I get another cerveza? Hey. Uh, <laughs> fucking poor Ricky's trying to feed his three kids, and his wife's sick. But no, excuse cares. me, Ricky. <laughs> Ricky, I want to see your manager, okay? I don't want to see your manager. This steak is no bueno. No bueno. Jesus. Oh, my God. That's hitting real close to home. That's why I'd never go to, like... Do you understand? Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) No equals no bueno. No equals no bueno. They're just, and the word, the most condescending thing that that fucking white bat could do would literally be, oh, they're just, they just don't get it. I don't know why they don't get it. It's, it's, like, just, it's just their culture. I mean, they're maybe so it's because Spanish is so god awful. But yeah, they're like the best. Oh my god! And, and literally, there's the oh. concept of two to to take a side note of the calisthenics thing. By the way, remember when we talked about the fact that like the whole plantation is like built up the side of a fucking volcano? And oh, it's, fuck yeah, yeah. And it's magma. like magma. Do have this magma? <laughs> I that love makes, that you knew exactly where that was from. That sounds too much like Snape from fucking Harry what Potter. I'm saying not Doctor Evil from Austin Powers. <laughs> One Where'd billion it go? dollars. You turned me into a friggin' Jack in the Box. <laughs> 
Sharks with freaking lasers. Anyway. <laughs> I can't fucking do it. Anyway, so yeah. The, what are their common things to do for, like, their physical stuff i guess that almost sounds yeah. sexual um uh, the, let's get physical no, yeah physical. No, you're gonna don some fucking leg warmers and yeah and uh it's too fucking hot for that man it's oh, like God, 89 no. degrees outside 89 in the shade <laughs> leg warmers my ass no man your your legs are like all of a sudden just like my legs are magma that's what it pretty is pretty much but... el fuego el fuego anyway. but yeah like their common thing was to literally run to do what was considered a quote fast march up the side of the volcano to the summit at <laughs> seven thousand feet. <laughs> so just think about that: fast march to the top of the volcano at seven thousand feet above sea level, <laughs> which is enough to literally have thin air and have you gasping for breath. The it's whole a miracle way up. these guys didn't just fucking die. There were dudes who did die on the ah, training. Christ though. Almighty! The of fucking course. the whole name, which was like Brigade Twenty Five Oh Six or whatever, was named after a dude whose number it was who fell to his death. Like no joke. And it's like that's just like in his honor. It was real touching. But fucking Jesus, like what? You should also, not be losing recruits this much. We, we should have talked about this in, in just in general, but like. Yeah, Guatemala isn't that far away from Cuba. Not really, But it's no. also not fucking Cuba. Like, yeah. why the fuck are they training in Guatemala? I mean, I guess, like, they I, can't... I, like, they were trying to do a lot of favors, too. Like, what we find out is that they the CIA basically pulled a fuck ton of favors with a bunch of foreign countries to get, like, training bases, airfields, and, like, just general, like, shit. Whereas, like, if you did it in America, I don't know, somebody probably would have fucking noticed. I think it's important here just to reemphasize, because we haven't talked about this in a couple episodes, just why the fuck these people are even doing this. Like, why is the U.S. even escalating this much? And, again, it goes back to that red, uh, the scare. red scare yeah. and the Cold War policy. They really thought that if they didn't take down Cuba, Cuba was somehow going to infect the U.S. with communist beliefs. I, I love that concept, too. The idea was, like, it was going to be a thorn in our side, yada, yada, yada. I was like, yeah, once you push them yeah, through a bunch of fuckwits. They didn't even think about it as, like, a thorn in the side. It was more like, they're going to inject us with communist blood, and we're just going to all become involuntarily communist because we don't have minds of our own. <laughs> You're going to start setting off a bunch of fucking Alex Jones listeners who've stumbled onto this <laughs> podcast thinking it's like, fuck yeah! Speaking truth to power, what do you fucking putting mean? That Jake, putting vodka in the water, turn the freaking commies gay. <laughs> now that shit just makes you infertile. Come on, what are you talking about? Putting vodka in the water. <laughs> My ancestors were explorers. <laughs> where are you now? Yeah, did they roll their way to the American West? Anyway, so yeah. So while that shit's going on in Guatemala, back in America, because this is like the last key bit that they got to work on here. And the whole training and getting the force together is the idea of getting some sort of air force set up. Because, naturally, if you know anything about, you know, invasions or military operations, usually having airplanes covering your advance or retreat or whatever is kind of a good idea. Of course, Airplane, the uh, yeah. famous movie from the uh, yeah. the 90s or 80s? 80s. Famous movie from the 80s with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out Kareem! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> I love Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Otherwise, I'm sorry. I literally formerly known as Luau Cinder. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I was like, I wanted to make sure that we clarified because it almost made it sound like you were making a terrorism joke. No, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the best basketball players of no, all no, fucking I time. I know, I know, but I don't think the listeners would know. I think a lot of listeners would know that. Well, I'm sure they would, but I don't think that some of them would. Know. <laughs> fuck it, never mind. You yeah. shut the fuck up, anyway. But. Well, Leslie Nielsen, huh? He was in the movie, too. I picked Maybe the wrong day to stop taking amphetamines. Anyway. <laughs> God, God love that Shout guy. out. Please don't take amphetamines. No, no. Amphetamines are a no bueno situation. Anyway. 
This equals no... Amphetamines equals no bueno. Okay? Amphetamines equals no bueno, Ricky. No bueno. Got, see, Ricky Ricky needs to get just clean, man. And I that's love, all he needs. I just, I, just, I just invented a character right, right, right now. Right there. And there you go. That's yeah, an inside joke that we'll hold on forever. No bueno. <laughs> no bueno, Ricky. Ricky. Or my, my favorite one, too. If we really want to get into this. My favorite one is when white people used to say Puerto Rico by rolling the R. Puerto Rico, yeah, Ricky. No, but, but it's like where they would roll the fucking R. There was like a video or something that... Oh, God. I don't remember it was on YouTube. It was a bunch of drunk white people. Oh, God. It, it always is, isn't it? No, that's it that's like, how a lot of things start. The beer hall pushed from the Nazis. 90s. Just like... All the bad shit in in, in the all in world the history shit. just starts with a bunch of drunk white people doing things they really shouldn't have done. Yeah, basically, like a bunch of drunk white people, like you know what? What if we decided to make our own country? And it's like, um, Hans, I'm gonna ask you to pump the brakes on that. Where are you going? What <laughs> if we just decided to just we throw darts at Africa, and that's how we just that's how we divide the continent? Fucking shit, man! That's actually a little too close to realism. I know. That's the problem. <laughs> No, but, um... History is aggravating if you understand it. I know, and why we keep making the same fucking mistakes every time. <laughs> now, yeah, so, um... But uh, there was, like, this lady who's, like, their, like, resort owner in some place in Puerto Rico. And she goes, I want to welcome you all to Puerto Rico. Oh, like, really weirdly almighty. sexual. And she's, like, in her 50s. And you uh, look like a fucking handbag. And it's like, God. don't. And I'm like... Hot leather. Uh, oh... <laughs> Like, yeah, like if you left Steven Tyler out in the sun for too long. <laughs> we love there. you, Steven. We love you. He's out there singing with his scarf on in the fucking blinding heat. That's oh. why they could never play Coachella. Oh, yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. That it, that and people would think, like, the fucking zombies. Did a couple of zombies walk on stage, they're bro? Literally gonna think what the, the fuck is going on, bro? They're, they're literally going to think Kurt Cobain's reanimated corpse shambled onto the fucking stage bro, thriller. I didn't pay fucking fifty dollars to see a nirvana cover band bro <laughs> that's what they would be though just... you would see the actual nirvana band minus like fucking what's his name and they'd be like bro this is a fucking bullshit cover band and they'd be bro, like but you're telling me it. you're telling me kurt cobain couldn't step off his fucking lofty pedestal to show up today bro you realize kurt cobain's dead right oh shit bro r.i.p <laughs> Yo, man, I knew that. What? What? <laughs> Shit, bro, I knew that. Just passes the Molly. Kid. I've been a Vana fan for years, bro. <laughs> That's like a lot of high school students too. Oh like I've listened God. to like there's like high school students that I've known back in the day were like, yeah, listen to like fucking Teen Spirit. Um, oh God, that's the only one I honestly can know my name. I listen to Slayer. No, that one. They listen to like I'm a big Nirvana fan. I listen to like. Teen smells like Teen Spirit and fucking Come As You Are. My mom bought me this fucking shirt, and that's the only two songs that they know. My mom bought me this shirt in the Dells. That means I've been a fan for fucking years, bro. Yeah, bro. Like (laughs) our years, like a year and a half, or Ario Speedwagon, more like Ario my fucking soundtrack. (laughs) I like you said Ario Speedwagon, and I thought you literally said Ario Speedwagon. Speedwagon, bro. That's my favorite band. (laughs) God. Anyway. God damn it. We've gone too far down the hole. <laughs> nah, I love it. It's fucking it's it's an amazing bit. So anyway, <laughs> back to what we were talking about. <laughs> See, this is the time, by Ricky? the way. Ricky? This is, this is like, they, it's so hot in this room, I'm becoming delirious, but I love Ricky, it. Ricky, can we get back on track? Ricky. <laughs> no bueno. <laughs> what does it sound to me like the South Park episode where they're like, Montequilla. See, uh, that's basically where I—that's basically where I ripped oh some of the vibes God. from that. Phone. Oh my God! 
Oh man! Oh god! They they don't deserve the shit we put them through. I don't uh, know why we do. Ricky, <laughs> Ricky, <laughs> Ricky. Anyway, anyway. So yeah. Uh, so is as they're doing that, then the summer of 1960 passes through. It was the summer of sixty. Sixty nine. Oh yeah! Oh god! <laughs> we tried real hard. <laughs> We started a band and we tried real hard. This could literally be the fucking, like, we could make a whole musical out of, like, Richard Bissell getting the band together <laughs> and them having the summer of 69 in the background and then the end is just as, like, the movie cuts to, like, just the Bay of Pigs just engulfed just, in fire. It's, it's just Bissell saying, you know what, if they, if they ask me to do it again, tell you what I would. Ha <laughs> <laughs> But it would just be, like, it, it, like, they're, like, the end of the movie for me would be just, like Richard Bissell just looking at a picture of like, uh, like people in fucking in Cuba I, getting arrested, being see, like, "It was the summer of '69." I'm, I'm already imagining the branding potentially. It's the end of the movie. He's smoking a Cuban cigar. He takes out a Corona and he just takes a sip and goes, "Ah, freedom." He needs a lime. No, he takes he <laughs> si- oh, takes a sip and says, "Ah." freedom <laughs> that's how it ends roll credit just michael bay just fucking yeah anyway so uh <laughs> so when the summer of 1960 is going on cuba and the soviet union are getting real close you know they're getting a little cozy they're getting a little bit of netflix and chill and shit like that oh, yes shit, i man. did just say they that fucking yeah to be honest it's probably mostly because when kennedy was elected as president in the su- or in the summer of night or not the summer of 1960 <laughs> jesus christ your brain's just fucked right now. It's yeah, rotting. Yeah, no, man. It's been a hard, it's been a rough day. Anyway, dude, I get it. I've been I worked all day too. I get yeah, you. Yeah, no. Well, as the, well, actually, no. I, I worked eight hours. No, no, no. Okay, so my 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 uh my point actually wasn't all the way off though, because as 1960s going on though, you do have the presidential election kind of gearing up. So as you know, you've got Nixon yeah. and Kennedy basically sort of trading shots, trying to act real tough on Cuba because that's literally like one of the big talking points. Mm-hmm. Castro is like gearing up his army to like they're about to fucking hit us and when they do oh we're gonna fuck them real good it's like <laughs> little did he know we were chilling in guatemala pretty much yeah unfortunately all along the fucking latin america I, I we were chilling in guatemala doing calisthenics on a fucking volcano oh uh, yeah fucking flying the american flag like, like asshole fucking oh. cannot make up how fucking ridiculous that whole thing is no it is fucking ridiculous you can't even make up how ridiculous the people are that came into this fucking operation half the there's like a I, I just I just don't know. I don't see. I mean, that's why I was so quiet the first part of the episode because it's just so ridiculous. It took me like a week to set it in. I know it really does. Once you start like when I researched it, I'm looking at this. I'm cracking a smile because I'm like, this just can't be fucking real. But I know it. I'm is. just sitting there learning about this it. Shit is writing itself out of fucking it. trail between infuriated and somehow just like Slightly amazingly bemused. concerned, and then also. Just being somehow very intrigued, and I didn't know how to feel. Oh no, absolutely not. No. So as the um, so as they're as like Kennedy and Nixon are trying to one up each other for being like, no, my dick's bigger on how to deal with Cuba. Castro and Khrushchev actually got together in New York around that time, and there was that like Castro going to the United Nations and basically just kind of like shouting for like four and a half hours <laughs> just fucking screaming yeah and he went and like visited harlem and shit too and he was like talking with a number of like 
like community leaders because you know you know here's makes the sense. thing i mean honestly it makes I, sense politically so far i don't hate castro he i feel like he hasn't done a whole lot wrong other than being communist he, well even then communism isn't really even a bad thing it's it's more he's not like, really gone full dictator it's not, yet. it's not great no it's not like he's a fucking like crazed dictator he's not fucking people. mussolini out there no he's, he's not fucking, fucking stalin that's for sure but he's definitely waffled and then he's definitely like become really really like out of left field on some things but yes. as that's going on like as like he's hearing rhetoric, like Castro is basically looking at that as that sign is that American invasion, and or he put all of his military in high alert, and the CIA took note of that and began changing their overall intention for its Cuba operation, and because up until October of 1960, as we've already been kind of talking about, their whole idea was to basically train a group, drop them into the jungle, or send them in by boat, and basically have them work <laughs> behind the scenes just fucking up stuff the whole time. And I tell you what. Hasn't been reported yet, but I'll tell you here first. This was the inspiration for Guns N' Roses' Welcome to the Jungle. Yeah, that is not the homeless <laughs> guy at the, the jungle! Not the fucking homeless guy at the yeah, bus stop the, telling the, you you're going to die. Not the homeless guy at the bus shop just screaming at Axl Rose. You're going to die! Yeah. Axl Rose just takes a drumstick and just fucking jams it in the guy's skull. No, you're going to die. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle, buddy. Zoned on fucking eight balls of coke and speed. It's like, holy shit. Goddamn. Uh, anyway, by the way, we'll be doing a new music podcast subseries during the summer called the well, Summer of, of Summer. I'll tell you music. what, we didn't announce it yet, but I guess we're announcing it right now, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, Woo! Yes, we're doing a music podcast this summer. We did already record episode one. It's going to be on Miles Davis. It's going to be coming mm. your way in the coming weeks. So get oh, excited yeah. for Miles that. Miles Davis is a trip too. Yeah, that that whole podcast. I know you hated that episode, no, but no. I thought it was interesting. I did. Okay, I want to put it for the record that I didn't hate it. It's just it was so fucking hot in that room as we're doing it. I'm slowly flagging out of tell you what though it is it's a, it's a ride Can it you, is a ride no have, I you, come, have you come around it's good now no i up? have you know, i was definitely interested when we were talking too i was kind of going through the same thing i'm just like <laughs> silently learning about this guy just like ah i guarantee you even if you're a miles davis fan there's gonna be something in there you haven't heard before oh, for so sure. you like know, you jelly roll morton grab a listen uh yeah, we're proud of it we're really excited about our music stuff that's why we're trying to get oh, through yeah. bad pigs so we can get to it and as much as we love bad pigs we know also it's no longer the cold war winter so we are going to put this but one I, on I will back burner back. until next winter we are coming back next winter with more cold war stuff do not yep. worry we have forgot a, we have not forgot about our promises we're gonna have some more propaganda stuff oh, coming from yeah. me we're gonna have some vietnam stuff also spearheaded by me and jake you got, some other, you got some other cool stuff we got pepsi coming up in a story next winter yeah, time. we got pepsi pepsi in the cold war <laughs> Uh, in the hood? Gone wrong? What? <laughs> it's going to be amazing. So. We can't do the clickbait part um, of the video because we don't own the video. But um, but it, it's going to be amazing. So get ready for that next winter time. Don't worry. We're coming back to the Cold War. Jake and I love it. Oh, hell yeah. We're getting back to that, that shit. shit. Hey, yeah. we got the Cuban Missile Crisis. That's going to be the Woo! banner series coming up next um, or next winter. So if you're ready for a fucking that's, deep dive, I'm sure Jake is going to... That's our fucking starter like, and then everything else. It's going to be like 50 fucking episodes. So get ready. I hope it isn't because, Christ, not even I can do that. I love talking about it, but... <laughs> That, I guarantee you, though, that one will probably be shorter. We'll probably yep. be able to break that down into something a little bit easier than literally, like, what I'm doing. <laughs> I tell you what, the Vietnam series I'm doing will probably be the longest one we do because oh, there's sure. a lot to fucking cover there. And it's going to take some time. But anyway, yeah. um, we are summer music. We're excited for it. Get ready for that in a couple weeks. Um, Jake, where are we at here in this episode now, buddy? Uh, so anyway... I like that too. That was a great plug. Good, good transition. I like that it was smooth. Anyway, so uh, yeah, so the CIA basically said like, "Oh shit, um, Cuba is like getting ready for an invasion. So, what? Why don't we just turn it over to being an invasion?" Shit, man. Not the best logical jump. <laughs> Oh shit! They're expecting an attack from the air. What if we all bought airplanes? I feel like it's the one fucking the guy's like. Guess what, guys? Now listen, hear me out on this. So 
They're expecting a land invasion. You know what they won't expect? A fucking land invasion. I got it! Let's fucking go! Oh, jeez. Let's fucking go! Is this guy from fucking MK Ultra? Did they just... I'm pretty sure some of the same guys worked on the same thing, because it's just a clear I amount mean, like, that, that these are the, the dumbest fuck? individuals. I mean, are oh. they so fucking perverted by the Cold War politics that they're like, listen, guys, you know communists? They... The thing with communists, right? They don't expect what they say they're expecting. They're they're all opposite. It's a trick. They're opposites, people. They don't know what logic is. You can't trust these people. Yeah, <laughs> their, their favorite fucking ideology is communism, and it, obviously it's backwards. It oh, should be and democracy, too, man. And you you add that like fucking small tint of racial like hegemony to it, and be like, they're brown and they're communists. They don't know what the fuck they're gonna do. Yeah, it's like no, they for do. the record, that's that's really fucked up. And Jake and I do not support any of that. No, but... no, I'm just saying that's literally how they're thinking. Oh no, no, no. The these time. guys are like good old CIA boys. They they believe that truly American democracy and male leadership and white. If your dick is white and small is and uncircumcised, you are good to go. <laughs> Basically, you're you're good to be a power player in the CIA during this time yeah, period. That's much. for sure. Yeah, as long as you also have like a really weird affinity for train timetables too. That's perfect. Off of buildings. Fucking doctor vacuum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woo! Anyway, pistol. <laughs> so yeah, so the the whole idea too, and them shifting it, they kind of justified. They're like, we're gonna go from like guerrilla style shit to like full out invasion, was because there's a lot of logistical. Jesus, logistics and planning failures, which I'm not going to get into deeply, other uh, than thank God. <laughs> just a couple of things here. Ah, oh, God damn it. That's true. And I, they're just great. It's fa- okay. So the whole idea was this. Their concept was like they were going to get all of these people to work inside of Cuba to create like a popular uprising. That was their whole plan. And they're okay, fa- Tell me, tell me, can these people speak Spanish? Maybe. I hope. I hope to fucking God My guess can. is no. Maybe. Honestly, from all we've learned so far, my guess is no. But maybe. Anyway, so yeah, there was... I tracked those failures down to specific changes and fuck-ups, and this is kind of what happened. Number one, there are slow training at tracks that was throwing the whole timetable off because you realize pulling a bunch of dudes who were not military guys but doctors and lawyers and teachers and students and turning them into killing machines is going to take a bit. It's going to take a bit. Nah, these people are going to become Rambo within months. Yeah, basically. They had just like, fucking... They, they just did not understand what was happening. Dicks out, guns blazing. Dicks out, guns blazing. <laughs> R.I.P. Harambe. So basically how most Republicans see themselves except they're fat and on. Yeah. So anyway. I just uh, want to say it one more time for those who didn't hear. R.I.P. Harambe. R.I.P. But. All right. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> Smoke a blunt. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway. So and then too they were like trying to get to the Cuban underground groups which was like a bunch of these small little factions that try to create some sort of coalition inside the country. The fact was they basically came back and said these groups were quote small virtually powerless primitive groups. Which oh, is fantastic. never fucking undermining at that all. That means you did great. You did fucking amazing. Oh, you did great. Whose leadership and overall loyalty proved, quote, very difficult to ascertain. <laughs> oh, what the... F- mm. They're failing on all counts. And then basically, too, they had, like... This wasn't really their fault, but this happened around the same time was the fact that there were a whole new ranks of dissidents getting purged out of Castro's country. Or they were leaving by themselves. They all suck. Yeah, anyway. basically. Where they were, like being cut down by his government choked out because castro realized well i don't want to have a bunch of other fucking groups trying to vie for power so i'm gonna get rid of y'all it and that like was just more coincided by a couple other things the fact was that the team that they put onto cuba the starting team was put on was was put on the cuba by boat was caught within three days they did great. They did, they did great. They just... They, oh. they came back, dicks in between their legs, just fucking... Batting a million there. 
that is amazing. Dude, and then, like, it wasn't even, like, it was a bunch of untrained people, too. The pilot supplying the fucking groups that did get in missed the fucking supply drop points, either due to pilot error or poor communication, because... Who I'm the fuck did they hire for this? Like... Do they just, like, find the most Bono. incompetent people? It's just like, fuck it, let's give them a shot. You basically, actually, we're going to kind of get into who they grabbed for the air operation in a second here. Because it's really great. But, like, their first delivery, by the way, of arms and radio equipment, they missed the drop point by no less than seven fucking miles. Okay. I understand missing it by a little bit. But if you're a fucking navigator, right... Like seven miles should miles. not be inside the fucking margin of error. And you're dropping it into the jungle. Like, it's gonna get caught into trees and shit, and they just could not make it work. So they're like, well, fucking fuck love it. They're work. like, this is close enough. Just fucking let it go, man. Okay, and the dude's just drinking a Corona right now. Just close like, enough. Yeah. Hey, man, it's fucking Corona time. Just drop this fucking... I hope these medicines get to the people down there and just crashes hey, Ricky, into the woods. Ricky, were you on that supply mission? Ricky. Ricky. El Ricky. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Can I call you Rico? No. Uh, no. Okay, <laughs> pasa, Steven? This is no bueno. Your service today, no bueno, Ricky. <laughs> Ricky, I don't know what that is, but I want another cerveza. I don't know what cerveza, that is. Cerveza, por favor. Oh, Jesus. It's like, that's their secretary over at the CIA headquarters for this thing. It's just like a fucking Karen. By the way, cerveza is beer. That's cerveza why, that's why beer. I keep saying cerveza. And Mexican beer is amazing. Anyway. <laughs> so, it is, but yes. All them shortcomings basically wound up in having Bissell kind of move the original plan and decided they needed a harder kick in the ass to get rid of Castro. So they started broadening the scope of their operation. And the first thing that kind of brought them to that was that they sent a guy called Major Harry. And I cannot make this up. Major ha know. Harry, his Heine Alderholt. Wait, what, what, wait, wait, what, 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 what? Harry, Harry, his nickname is Heine Alderholt. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Harry Heine Alderholt. It is sounds in. like a fucking, like, like. It sounds like of, he should be in the fucking WWE. Not even it that. Sounds like a gimmick wrestler. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like the big dude on the Brewers right now. Fucking. What, what's the gigantic dude that we have? That Daniel the Vogelbach? Vogelbach, yeah. That's kind of the same effect. <laughs> the guy who fucking looks like he should be like running a fucking hardware store. Fucking seriously, though. Or like punching rocks or something. And he bats like 200 and sometimes hits a homer. And he fucking has like half of his chest out like this every time. Dude, he's he's like, our boy, though. He's, he's our, not. That's he's a, bad at baseball. He is, but that doesn't mean we don't love him, okay? I don't like him. <laughs> he's we should still try trying it. his best. I don't mind him as a person. Just get him off my team. Oh, God. Anyway. Yeah, well, I can't wait for people to fucking jump down your throat on this. Fucking come at me. <laughs> Hackshistory101 at, at gmail.com. Come at me with those baseball comments. Do one. You won't. <laughs> I'll knock your fucking block off. I'll anyway. have a stat battle with you. I'll do it. <laughs> He'll do a diss track. I'll write a diss track with Daniel Vogelbach. I'll drop it. Drop it deep. <laughs> It's like all just a fucking joke between you and Vogelbach, but everybody else on Facebook's like, oh my god, I'm gonna fucking stab you. It's like, wow, <laughs> I'm way to go, Jerry. Way to go, Jerry, who works at fucking, like, Christmas accounting. Just a little too aggressive there, aren't you? But... Jerry! Jerry, baby! It's his favorite song. <laughs> so anyway, they got Alderholt to go down to Birmingham and Alabama in October and to request the services of the Alabama Air National Guard, or the AANG, 
Commander. A N G. Eric calls it Ang. Ang. That that reminds me of Avatar: The Last Airbender. Fantastic animated series. If you haven't seen it, if you like yeah. anime, not the live action though. That movie. Fucking Do not up. watch the movie. Yeah. I cannot say stress that enough. Do not watch the movie. Yeah, not great. So anyway, they 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 got Brigadier or Jesus. They got their the double A N G Commander Brigadier General George Reed Doster, also known amongst his peers as Papa. Papa and Heine. <laughs> Papa. And so, basically, Alder Holt came on behalf of the CIA to ask Papa Doster. <laughs> he, that sounds dangerously close to Papadopoulos. Daddy, D- Daddy Doster. About borrowing the 117 tactical recon. Daddy Doster is, could be Daddy Duster. And you have Dr. Vacuum and Daddy Duster. Dr. Vacuum, Daddy Duster. Dr. Dixie We are Daddy. building the Cleaning Avengers, damn it. Da-na, <laughs> na-na. Where's Professor Windex? <laughs> <laughs> we're back we're fucking back <laughs> it's good to be back anyway so uh they they decided he's gonna ask him about barring the 117th tactical recon wing for the overthrow of castro again this is a air national guard group who this is fantastic a, effectively what i would consider a misappropriation of force funds it's probably some kind of crime somewhere um and the reasoning behind it, behind it was basically that the group had had the most recent experiment experience with the B-26 bomber, which was pretty much useful because that was going to be their main aircraft of choice for this thing. So later in that... Fucking beautiful plane, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. Fucking, you always want to use, in 1960, a plane who's literally, at that point, 25 years old. Wait, is that the, is that the Flying Fortress? No, that's the B-17. The B-26 is like a smaller uh, two-engine airplane. Why did they use the B-17? I fucking love that uh, plane. I know, man. Oh, that's a pretty plane. Uh, yeah. If you want to see a pretty plane... That's a pretty one. Dare I say, a fuckable plane? A fuckable plane. <laughs> if you look up the B-17, oh, that's yeah. a beautiful plane. That or the B-29 for me, because that, that's a big girl. God damn, she's thick. <laughs> God damn, she's thick with three seeds. <laughs> Jesus. Literally. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So uh, in that October too, while they're in, well, you've got one guy going to Alabama, because it's a sin. <laughs> I hate Alabama. I do. Too. I, I'll just say it. I, if you're listeners and you live in Alabama, God bless you. I hate your state. I'm just gonna be like honest. The state we hate you, we don't. Unless you're a we bigot, in which you. I hate you too. We don't hate you. We just hate Alabama. Anyway, so, unless you're a bigot, then fuck you. Yeah. But. And then basically too, the with the aircraft that they got secured because Doster was basically like a real heavy duty kind of like. Hard chest thumping American type, so he's like, "Fuck yeah, I'll give you every pain I got. I am gonna fly us in on screaming eagles." Basically, he <laughs> was like, "Gonna." I think he literally envisioned himself like the president from fucking Independence Day, <laughs> which was also like the dumbest ending to a president ever. Was like, "I'm just gonna die." <laughs> Is it bad that I haven't seen Independence Day? No, it's not. Anyway, is it something I should see? You should for the lulls. Tell you what, write us in it. Actors3101 at gmail.com. Should I watch we'll Independence put a, Day? We'll put a poll up there for you. <laughs> should yes Lucas, or no? Should Lucas watch Independence Day? Yes or no? <laughs> Have 150 yeah. comments from yeah. fucking other countries, either in like English, but like fuck you, or or in like some other language we can't understand. Anyway, check. Yeah, man. You want to watch, watch Independence Day? <laughs> he just comes in. He's like, "Hey, you want to watch? You want to watch Independence Day with me?" <laughs> okay. And, and and he's just like, <laughs> just "Kill all the constituents." He's gonna kill every constituent. Oh my god! Look at all the infrastructure damage. <laughs> Do you have any idea what this is going to do with the health prices? Oh my god. You know he would do that. You know, he would go into a movie. He'd watch fucking Star Wars. And he would just ask the questions no one else is thinking of. Like, and I know 
it, it, it sounds a bit like Donnie, but he Look at the health insurance premiums, man. They're skyrocketing. Man, what are you going to do when I'm a senior team in the Empire? You can't do that. You're going to lose all these other things that are going Seriously, on. Seriously, the thing is, though, I fucking love that man. Oh, he's, Shout out to that God, man. God, I think he's still working there. He's an emeritus now, then. Oh, there you go. I fucking love that guy. Oh, my God. I don't think he's going to remember me. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't remember either one of us. I can no. almost guarantee it. But I fucking love him. Oh, yeah. Great guy. So, as if for any reason that we couldn't just pack one more fucking thing that's going to bite us in the ass, um, the CIA sent another small delegation down to Nicaragua. Managua, Nicaragua is a beautiful place. If you haven't done your history, the CIA in Nicaragua ends badly for us. <laughs> It's not great. I love how we just keep picking these Central American countries. Guatemala, Nicaragua. El Salvador, Bolivia. <laughs> fucking doing great. Yeah. Batting a thousand. Batting a fucking thousand. Nothing wrong with those countries, by the way. Just say, we're batting a thousand for fucking... Being an idiot, yeah. Being really fucking stupid. Yeah, as a country, yeah, it's great. And so they approached Nicaragua's dictator, General, General Luis Somoza, um, basically to request the use of a landing strip down there at Puerto Cabezas. <laughs> and it's... Puerto Cabezas for them is kind of like on the coast of Nicaragua. So it, the, any idea of the country, there's literally like it's both a Pacific and an Atlantic country. Because I know like some that some Central American countries are coastal, but only on like one Which ocean. is pretty dope that they got both oceans. Like, it, it is until hurricane season. <laughs> yeah, and that point it just becomes really scary. Yeah, then it's real sketch. But yeah, so they've got the Operations Air Arm basically now all set together. We're, we're ready to rock and roll. The training is getting into its end phase. Oh, boy. And, and what we're going to do now is that the CIA, in just panty moistening speed, it, it sends a, a memo. Raid. A fucking official memo. <laughs> it's so bureaucratic. Uh, oh, God. Is this one in all caps? Tell oh, me. Oh, God, I wish. What's fine? Comic Sans? Comic Sans. <laughs> Fuck yeah. It's got like a coffee stain on it. <laughs> and the guy were like, a dude was eating a fucking sandwich and didn't wash his hands. And God damn it, yes. Anyway, it reeks so, of sexism. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, make sure it's just it ends with keep the women in the kitchen, which we don't support, but which they would have back and then in the says, day. That says, "P.S. Carla, make me a sandwich." Jesus Christ, fuckers. Right. Oh god. Honestly, no, we don't support any of that. But this is the sh- type of fucking people we're dealing with here for the yeah, most this part. Is, this is uh, this is America. Literally, maybe not even less. I think maybe like seventy years ago, maybe. Anyway, um. So, at this point in time, they send an official memo to tracks around November 4th, and the message states that no more than 60, the whole approximate 1,511 people involved in this whole operation at this point, would be tasked with any sort of infiltration stuff. So, basically, it was just like saying, we're going to just not do infiltration, but we're going to kind of keep that option up in the air, even though we're not really going to commit to it. And Okay, I feel like they keep like... Oh, guys, what we really want to do is just fucking go in full bore, but you know what? We're just gonna we're gonna put that off for a while. We're gonna go in full bore, um, with literally like fifteen landing boats, a merchant ship, and some airplanes, and we're gonna take an entire country of twenty two thousand. Sounds about right. Fifteen hundred people. <laughs> yep. And then what we're gonna do after that? We're gonna go get some cervezas, por favor. I'm gonna reopen all of my favorite places. To go get coke. <laughs> God. <laughs> Fuck you, Margaret. My ex-wife's a whore. Anyway. It's not the 80s yet. They're, no, not yet. Cocaine's no. In mostly an 80s drug for a it lot of people. It is mostly, no. But... Right now, it's just the dope. <laughs> they're, <laughs> slinging that, they're slinging the dope, that hash, that green funny stuff. Anyway. um, That sticky icky. No, kidding. Yeah, basically. <laughs> the remaining recruits for this that were coming in, like, I, we have to kind of keep, I have to keep reiterating, there are constantly recruits. It's not like we have, like, oh, the number <laughs> jumped. Oh, they're, like, they're, they're, it's constant. And sometimes it's bad, sometimes not. But okay, they, so why do we care about these new recruits? What's special? 
basically just saying, what changes them from the other recruits <laughs> well i'm just basically saying like you got the old guard who goes in and yep. kind of makes the name and then the new guys come in and they're like constantly trying to build sort of camaraderie god they fucking hate each other sometimes hey guys let's uh let's throw carlos off the volcano probably and, uh, it'll so, be fucking hilarious bro yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so the the other group that wasn't part of that 60 basically got retrained up into assault force style combat and reorganized which is always good at the last minute wait so are these people still going to guatemala at this point they're still in guatemala yeah sweet yeah it's great <laughs> and that main objective also also changed it was no longer about like dropping in fucking around and then like hiding in the mountains now it was basically literally to quiet no longer to quietly enter cuba's guerrillas but literally to quote season defend lodgement also in- just fun fact for you yeah. this isn't the first time that the u.s has mismanaged guerrilla warfare not the first time. It won't be the last. <laughs> it will not first. be the last for yeah, sure. Yeah, for real. <laughs> but in the most badass tone I can think of, to seize and defend lodgment in target by amphibious and airborne assault. See, here's the thing: is that's a lot it's of fucking on. It's a lot of words that means fucking nothing. Essentially, it, it's basically very dry. But what it's basically telling us is that they're like, all right, we're committing to just dropping y'all off on a beach. Well, by the way, you threw down the notebook. I'm assuming is that the end of our. That's uh, the end of it, man. That's the end of this episode. That's the Fantastic. end of this episode. All right. Well. Oh yeah. We hope you've enjoyed this one. Uh, this has been a fucking ride. That's for sure. And we're gonna be talking. We're gonna go straight in next episode with just. Doing the invasion. And it's not going to go well. Nope. I'm going to try to make it as detailed, but also as fast as possible. So... And after that, we're going to cover the aftermath. And then and that'll probably be a pretty short episode, and honestly. then we'll... We might even just... We'll probably just do one more and do the whole thing. Or honestly... Yeah, I was going to say, honestly, what we could do is... We could just, We got one more part coming at yeah, you. Probably. It's going to be, it's gonna be I, a I super it's, mega... it's a good way to end it as as school ends and as the summer starts. We call it a super mega-sode. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. um, and I promise that uh, Karen will make another appearance. She's going to ask for some more cervezas. While she's under these, fire. <laughs> I tell you what, these engines are very loud. Ricky, Ricky, I can't I can't hear myself being racist I'm over shot! I can't hear myself being racist over these engines. So if you could just stop that. <laughs> Cerveza? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, see you guys later.